We're in Nehemiah chapter 4 today. We are going through the book of Nehemiah. If it's your first time with us or first time in a little while, we've been studying uh, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer who lived in Persia. And yet he was a Jew and, and he was there. His family was taken to captivity years prior. And God positioned Nehemiah in a high up place and of, of being uh, right next to King Artaxerxes. He was his cupbearer, his advisor. Uh, we see his friend. And, and yet God is going to impress upon Nehemiah's heart to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild that broken down wall that, that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians had demolished and destroyed decades prior. And God is going to uh, soften the heart of King Artaxerxes. Not only is Artaxerxes going to allow Nehemiah to go, but he is going to offer him protection. He is going to fund the entire operation. And you just see the hand of God all over this. That God has put a burden on Nehemiah's heart, but now God is also going to bring this and see this to fruition. However, what we're going to see today, what we've seen already, and today it's going to be escalated, is the fact that when you, when I build something for God, when we do a work for God, there is an enemy that wants to tear that down and destroy it. You see, in, in Nehemiah, he's going to talk about the enemies. They, they want to stop the work from going forward. Satan wants to stop the work of God, and if he can't stop it, he's going to want to hinder it. He's going to slow it down. And you and I have an enemy that is constantly trying to discourage our hearts through fear, through, through just stress, through whatever he can to, to, to weaken our faith, to shake our faith, because he doesn't want to see the work of God go forward. But what we're going to see is that God's work will not be stopped. That God, if, if God is in it, and we know God was in this because Nehemiah kept referring to the good hand of God upon us. Our enemies tried this, but the hand of our God was upon us. This situation seems impossible, but the good hand of our God was upon us. And if God's hand is on you, if God is with us, then his work will not be stopped in us. However, we must understand something that we are in a battle. We're in a battle. Spiritually speaking, this is a fight. This is a battle. And there's a great danger of not realizing and not being prepared for the battle that is before us as believers. So it's been almost a decade now. But I remember about eight, nine, maybe even close to ten years ago, I started going to an MMA gym to work out. And, and honestly, to this day, like it's something that I've been fairly consistent with. Just about every Tuesday morning, it's on my calendar, just like an appointment or a meeting. Because if I don't do that, I'm not going to go. Something else is going to come and crowd it and, and push it off. But, but I've been, been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for almost a decade, just about every Tuesday. And I'll go to a gym, and, and there's a group of guys that... In, in, a lot of us were very close. We're good friends. And I know it sounds weird. Like we're like trying to hurt each other, but not really hurt each other. Right. You get, and I, I tried explaining this to my MRI technician a year ago and she had this 
bewildered look on her face. Like, okay, you do you, man, whatever. Like, I don't get this. But the, uh, every, every Tuesday, just about every Tuesday, I go to an MMA gym. And you know what? I'm, I've never one time been surprised when someone's trying to armbar me or choke me or wrist lock me or take me down and smash my face into the mat as my friend Tim Hernandez tells people. He's like, how often do you get to come on a Tuesday and beat up on a pastor legally, right? <laughs> and and I, I've never been surprised when I show up and that takes place. Now, for about five or six years now, just about this time of year, multiple times a week, I'll go to another gym. And that gym is to watch my daughters play volleyball. Now, you know what? I have not one time ever seen a fight break out at a volleyball game. Now, there have been fans and coaches that have got pretty heated where I thought, man, maybe this might escalate to that, but never one time have I seen a fight break out at a volleyball game. In fact, if a fight broke out at a volleyball game, I think we would all be deeply disturbed, right? It would be quite shocking. You don't expect a fight to break out at a volleyball game. But hey, in an MMA gym or a boxing ring or a wrestling match, well, you're not really all that surprised when that happens. And I think that it, spiritually speaking, we have to have this mindset that we're walking into an MMA gym, right? We are walking into a boxing ring that we have an enemy that wants to destroy us and that this is a battleground, not a playground. We're, we're, we're not at a volleyball game. We're not, we're not out on the, on the golf course uh, with, 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 our, with our, our, our lemonade in one hand and driving around in a golf cart. And it, No, no, we are in a battle. And if we don't realize that, what's going to happen is we're going to be shocked and even devastated when we face opposition. We're going to be a little bit taken back and sometimes even debilitated and just frozen in fear because we're going to be shocked that when we do something good for the cause of Christ, when we do something for God and for his purpose, we're going to face opposition. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. We have an enemy that wants to constantly discourage us, that wants to make us doubt. This is exactly what's going to happen to Nehemiah. This is exactly what's going to happen to the people of God. There's an enemy that's going to, going to mock and jeer and threaten and oppose them because they want the work of God to stop. And Satan wants your work and my work for God to stop. And if he can't stop it, he wants to hinder us. He wants to slow us down. And if he can't get to you, he's going to come at the people close to you. And we're going to see this. This is why it's important we recognize we're fighting in the power of God. We're fighting for God, but we're also fighting for the people that we love. We're fighting for the people closest to us. In chapter 4, it says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. So he is, he is infuriated now. Chapter number 2, he, he was laughing and mocking, and now this is escalating. Sanballat is the governor of Samaria, and he feels threatened by Nehemiah's work. He feels threatened by Nehemiah's success. He, and and there, there always has been 
And even still to this day, there is a demonic hatred and opposition to the Jewish people. And we see this here with Sanballat and Tobiah. They are angry that someone is coming to seek the welfare of the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria. So now there's intimidation. Right? Nehemiah has protection of Artaxerxes and Sanballat and Tobiah know that. But they're still, they're trying to act in a threatening manner. They're trying to intimidate them. They're showing up and they're showing up with their armies to try to cause fear, to try to cause discouragement. And he says, he, they're, they're, now they're going to mock and they're going to say, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive these stones out of the heaps of the rubbish that are burned? Their response is the opposition is coming at them with mockery. Now, there's usually some truth in mockery. Usually someone will pick at something and they'll usually misrepresent it, but they'll maybe take a little truth and then just go off on that. Well, this is what's happening. There are all these feeble Jews. Well, remember, these weren't professional masons. Like, these were just everyday common people trying to build their wall, but they're making fun of their incompetency. Oh, what are these feeble Jews going to do? Are they going to fortify this wall? Are they going to, are they going to sacrifice to their God? See, the opposition had all to do with the true worship of the one true God. Satan does not want to see the true God be worshiped. The enemies of God don't want to see God be worshiped. They don't want to see you in your life live a life that is glorifying and worshiping the one true God. So what's happening is they're attacking with mockery. They're attacking with intimidation. And not much has changed today. The mockery against Christianity. People that will try to intimidate you through mockery. Right? We, we saw this especially about 15, 20 years ago with something that came out called the New Atheists. And really it was just this attack of these just very, very well-spoken and, and, and had atheists that had these large followings and, and these platforms. And they would really come at Christianity with a lot of just mockery. Now, when you really heard their argument, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to it. In fact, if you go back, you can watch a lot of the debates that when it really came time to any type of meaningful cross-examination, you know, their position really didn't hold up. It came crumbling down. But that didn't stop them from being loud. It did not stop them from being very vocal and very bold and coming at Christianity just with utter mockery, where it was on the, the late night comedians who would just make fun of Christianity. They would poke fun. And again, there's some truth sometimes to the mockery, but it's usually always a, a unfair representation. It's, it, it's, it's truth mixed with lies, and that's what we saw so much of. In fact, the vast majority of times when people are attacking Christianity, the picture they're painting of Christianity is what no true Bible-believing Christian believes about Christianity. But they'll take uh, some obscure view, or they'll take, they'll, 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 it's called a straw man argument, right? They'll, they'll build something up and then tear it down. And most of us are sitting back not really all that concerned or alarmed by it, because the reality is, well, no, a, someone, a Christian that truly knows what they believe and knows the Bible has never believed any of the things that you're trying to say and then tear down. But that doesn't stop them from the mockery. Maybe you've experienced this. 
Somebody at work, they know you're a Christian. So they'll constantly jeer at you. They'll mock you for it. Maybe it's escalated to where it becomes almost intimidating. If you're going to do what's right, if you're going to be a, a, a true Christian and you're going to follow God's word and God's ways, where not only are they going to laugh at you, not only are they going to mock you, but they're going to try to intimidate you into silence. Intimidate you into just keep your mouth shut. Well, this is what's happening here. They're, Sanballat and Tobiah are they're coming at him and, and they're mocking Tobiah. So Samballot, like I just picture this as, you know, Samballot's kind of the, 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 the leader. He's the tough guy, you know, and Tobiah's just the wingman, right? He's the other guy, you know, but Tobiah chimes in. Tobiah chimes in. He says that in verse number three, if a, if a fox go up, it's going to knock down their wall. So this is just, again, utter mockery. Like, you guys don't know what you're doing. You guys will never accomplish this work. Are you going to make an end in a day? In other words, are you going to accomplish this work in a day? No, you're not even close to being done. You're never going to complete this work, guys. And even if you do, if a, if a little fox climbs up it, it's going to come crumbling down because that's how feeble you are. That's how incompetent you are. Just this utter mockery to try to discourage the people of God. Tobias chiming in. And so what do we do? What do they do with mockery, with intimidation? They go to God with it. They go to God with it. Now keep something in mind. Listen, there's a time and place where we should engage and even defend the faith and defend what we believe and give a response to critics. But not every critic that you have needs a response. In fact, sometimes all that's going to do is distract you from doing what God's called you to do. And what God wants you to do. Not everything needs a response. Not, you know, I don't know if you found this, but a lot of times people that come at Christianity or maybe come at you personally and mock you and try to attack you, they're just trolls. Like they really don't want a meaningful conversation. They just want to discourage you. They want to mock you. They want to try to distract you. And so what does Nehemiah do? Well, he goes to God with it. See, it's interesting because later on in the chapter, or later on in the book, they're going to come to Nehemiah and want a meeting. Hey, let's meet in private and talk about this. Well, they've already publicly attacked him. They can't be trusted to meet in private and work things out because they've already escalated it publicly and they've already shown their true colors. They can't be trusted. Well, Nehemiah says, hear, O our God, we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their own head. Give them a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. What, what does Nehemiah do? What should we do? Vent to God in prayer. This is exactly what he does. And Nehemiah is praying and his prayer is simply this. God, help us and deal with them. Help us. And deal with them. This is his prayer. This is his prayer when he feels stressed. When he feels burdened. And you can tell in his prayer. Just this, this honest prayer. I mean just this blunt prayer. God deal with these guys. They're trying to destroy and stop your work. They're trying to discourage the builders. They're trying to discourage the people of God. And so what does Nehemiah do? 
He responds in prayer. See, if you and I respond to our enemies, if we respond to just opposition in general by attacking, by getting angry, you know what? It's just going to eat us up even more. We need to vent. But first and foremost, vent to God in prayer. This is what Nehemiah does. He's going to go to God in prayer and he says, God, help us. God, deal with them. And then I love verse 6. So built we the wall. He's not going to be distracted. He, he, he's not going to be stopped. He's not going to allow the discouragement, the mockery, the intimidation to stop him from doing what God has called him to do. And listen, you cannot be stopped from what God is calling you to do. Don't be distracted by the naysayers. Don't, and sometimes it's not... Sometimes the opposition isn't even like a particular person mocking us or trying to stop us or intimidate us. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just circumstances that Satan's going to bring. Look, Satan is, is, is very wise and shrewd. And we don't need to fear him, but we need to be aware. Sometimes Satan is going to come at us full force. And other times he's just going to use things that are convenient to try to discourage us and stop us. Now, if you're like me... Sometimes the stress in our life is our own foolishness. It's our failure to plan, our failure to trust God, our, our own sin. And we can sometimes bring stuff upon ourselves. But make no mistake about it. Let's not give Satan too much credit. But let's also not be foolish into thinking that Satan's going to take advantage of, of whatever he can. Maybe there's a situation that you're in right now because of your own foolishness, your own poor planning, your, your, your own lack of faith, your own sin. Well, don't think that Satan's not going to jump on that and try to use that to discourage you and try to use that to get you to stop and use that to get you to quit and use that to get God's work to be hindered. And you got to press on. And I have to press on. We can't be discouraged. We can't be stopped from what God has called us to do. And Nehemiah is not stopped. He's not going to allow it to hinder. He says, so built we the wall. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to. Now we're going to see. They're going to be prepared to fight. They're going to be prepared for combat. But Nehemiah is not running out just, you know, angry and flying off the handle, you know, ready to go to battle. No, he's ready if there needs to be conflict and combat. But he's also understanding, listen, God sent me here to Jerusalem for the purpose of building this wall. I'm not going to be distracted with anything less than that. And maybe for some of you today, you, you can relate to this. Like God has a calling on you. And you're finding that there's things that maybe even well-meaning or good in, intended things. They're distracting you from what God has called you to do. We can't be distracted. Look, God has called us. As a church collectively, that we are to make disciples, that our church is here to glorify God in our city, to make our city a better city for the glory of God, to preach the gospel to those around us. To, we can't get distracted. And there's some really good, maybe even well-meaning things that we could do, but let's not be distracted. We got to stay on mission. This is exactly what Nehemiah is going to do. He says, so he built the wall and the wall was joined together unto half thereof. They got this thing halfway completed. And he said, for the people had a mind to work. 
that they were rolling up their sleeves. We looked at that last week that just saw the, the amazing um, just practicality of chapter 3 of everybody had a part. Everybody got involved. Everybody did their part. And we see this here. The people out of mind to work. They weren't going to be distracted. They weren't going to be stopped. They weren't going to be discouraged. They were courageous. They were determined. Don't be distracted from the work. Now it's going to escalate though. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says, but it came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. They were very wroth. They got angry. They were enraged when they realized they weren't going to, they weren't, their, their mockery wasn't working. That the wall was still going forward. And so they're going to escalate this. It says they conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to what? Hinder it. They wanted this to be, they, if they couldn't stop it, they wanted to slow them down. They wanted to distract them. They wanted to intimidate them. So now you got, it's not just a couple guys hurling insults. Now there's a mob that's involved. You know, it's amazing how that, you know, we talked about the work of God unites us. But you know, the work of Satan also unites some people. You know, there's some people, they have maybe no interest, no commonality with someone else, except for they have a common enemy. And it's amazing now, all these guys are coming out of the woodwork. And when you look at, at, at all, of, all of these groups of people, the Arabians, Ammonites, Ash, Ashdodites, they were coming from every direction. They surrounded them. These were enemies here. And they were coming because they were angry that this wall was being built. They were angry at it. And now there's this conspiracy of them coming together. Why were they so angry? Why were they, they so angry? Well, there's probably a few reasons, but I think it's just simply they had opposing views. They did not want the worship of God to go forward. They did not want for the true God of heaven to be worshipped. And look, and that, that's where it's back to, we have to understand as, as Christians, like, I, I don't think that we need to walk around all the time with like this martyrdom complex and think that like, everybody's just out to get us, but we also shouldn't be naive either. We're in spiritual battle. And look, there are some people that though we should be kind and loving, we're just never going to see eye to eye. And here's why, because of opposing worldviews. Because there are conflicting world views. And this is why they're angry. Because they know that the worship of God is going to happen. This city is going to be rebuilt. So they're going to conspire and they're going to come against them. And sometimes it's just an opposing worldview. Oh, you're a Christian? You believe this? Well, then I'm going to mock you and I'm going to attack you. Why? Because those that are in darkness are bothered and offended by the light. It's offensive to them. The gospel is, is, is foolishness to the unbelievers. It's a, sometimes a stumbling block to them to hear that they are rebels and sinners against God and need a savior. And so sometimes it's not necessarily like that it's you personally. It's what you believe. It's what you stand for. And there's times where it's just it's an opposing worldview that's coming at you. We see here with, with Sanballat and Tobiah, 
not just as opposing worldview, but they were insecure and they felt threatened by what Nehemiah was doing. Nehemiah's success threatened them. Isn't that crazy? These guys were so insecure that they had to, they were angry at the success of someone else. And look, sometimes that can happen. Maybe you've been maybe caught off guard a little bit by that. Where you thought that, man, something good happened to you. Something was going well for you. You got a raise or a promotion or you, you, you were able to, 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 to buy a new house or you, something good happened to your family or just a good blessing from God. And instead of people being happy for you, some people actually got angry at that. And sometimes that opposition comes because of an insecure or jealous person. And Sambal and Tobiah, that's a, the definition of these guys. They were insecure. They were jealous over something good happening to someone else. They were threatened by Nehemiah's success. And so they wanted to intimidate him. They wanted to stop him. So what do they do? They, they mock him. They jeer at him. Now they're coming to try to intimidate him. Now they're getting a mob of people to come and try to intimidate him. But it won't work. What does Nehemiah do? Once again, he prays. He goes to God. He says, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. And we set a watch against them day and night because of them. I love this. We talked about this in uh, chapter number one. Or maybe it was two. I forget which one. But about prayer and preparation. This is what Nehemiah is doing. Nehemiah knows like, hey, this is, this is something that God's got to do for me. Right? He was humble enough and wise enough to know that he had to have God working for him or he would fail miserably. He prays, but he also prepares. He's also setting a watch. What we're going to see is, is throughout the, the rest of this, this chapter that Nehemiah is not only, not only praying, but they're prepared. In fact, they're going to work. They're going to work with their weapon by their side. Like this was the first open carry, right, man? They're, they're working, but man, they're ready. If the need arises, they're, they're, they're ready for combat. And so the question is this, do you have faith or do you prepare? And the thing is, those don't conflict with one another. That we need both of those things. We pray, we trust God. We have faith that it's going to be God. But we also use wisdom. We try to be wise. We, we, we try to be discerning, right? As a church, we have faith and we trust God, but we also try to use practical wisdom. That's why we have a security team on Sundays. That's why we have security cameras. That's why we do background checks on any of our volunteers that work with kids. It's not because that, that we don't trust God. No, we trust God, but we also use wisdom and shrewdness. We try to be wise, we try to be prepared. And that's exactly what Nehemiah is encouraging the people to do. We're going to God in prayer. That's our first step. But we're also going to set a watch. We're, we're also going to be prepared. And, and you and I, though we trust God and shouldn't live in fear. Amen. We should not live in fear. Don't be paranoid. But be smart. Be wise. Be prepared. We've got an adversary. We, we've got 
someone that wants to destroy us, wants to destroy our family, wants to destroy our church. So while we pray and we trust God, we also use shrewdness. We also live prepared. We're also ready that we're not going to be just caught off guard and caught by surprise when Satan comes at us, when Satan tries to discourage us, when Satan tries to destroy us. So they prayed to their God, but they set a watch against them day and night because of them. And so once again, I think there's so many practical applications here. You know, I think about in Peter's words in 1 Peter about being sober and being vigilant because there's an enemy. It doesn't mean we walk around paranoid all the time, but you be prepared. This is one, this is one reason. This is one reason I have in my office, I have a camera in my office. This is a reason why I don't meet with females alone. Right? It's not because I'm paranoid or you know, I'm super insecure or, you know, I've just got all these women banging my door down. I guess I don't have the looks or the wealth for that. I haven't run into that issue. Right? But it's being wise because Satan wants to destroy me. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy your marriage if you're married. He, he's coming at you. And so once again, we don't walk around paranoid and fearful all the time. We trust God, but we also put practical applications and, and, and try to use wisdom, try to use accountability, because sometimes it's just not even trusting our own, our own sinful heart and flesh and desires. And so accountability is wise. Don't feel threatened by accountability. Accountability is your friend. People that want to do right People that want to follow God, they're not threatened by accountability. Accountability is a good thing. Well, this is what they're doing. They're prepared, right? Again, so many practical applications to this. But the point is, they trusted God and they prayed, but they also used wisdom. They also used shrewdness. But now here's what's going to happen. They're going to be discouraged in their own ranks. Sambal and Tobiah, they can't get to Nehemiah, but they're going to start getting the people close to him. He says, and Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is decayed. There's much rubbish so that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversaries, they said, they're like, man, we heard people talking. We heard them saying that, that they're going to come in and, and, and that they're going to they're come in our midst and they're going to slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places from whence ye shall return unto us, they'll be upon us. So What's happening is now there's going to be discouragement in their ranks. The, the people that are building the wall, this is going to start getting to them. They're going to be, they're going to be discouraged. And they're like, hey, we're hearing things. We're hearing things. And you know what? They're right. They're right. This is a big job to accomplish and we're getting tired. Our strength is failing. I mean, maybe the conversation was, hey, we're working hard and Man, like the guys next to us, they only put in four hours yesterday. I mean, they're not doing their part. And they got discouraged and thinking, man, is this ever going to be accomplished? And what's happening is, is the enemy's trying to get on the inside. In fact, this is interesting. We'll talk more about Tobiah later on. But Tobiah married a believer. Tobiah wasn't a believer, though. Tobiah was a Judas. He was a pretender and his actions were eventually revealed. 
But what Satan wants to do is get on the inside. He wants to get on the inside. He wants to get people that are either wolves in sheep's clothing that truly aren't believers, or he'll go after just well-meaning, well-intended people and discourage them. And this is what he's trying to do, and this is what's starting to happen. There, there's starting to be some discouragement. But yet what we see is this, verse 14. Nehemiah said, And I looked up, I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, or that word, that Hebrew word, we talked about that a few weeks ago. It can mean awesome and powerful. He says, our God is great and terrible and will fight. He says, and you fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So Nehemiah's response is this. Once again, look to God. Understand it is God that's going to fight for us. Don't forget how powerful God is. Our God who is awesome. Our God who is strong. Our God who is mighty. He's, it's his hand that's upon us. He is going to accomplish his work. His work will not be stopped. His work will not be hindered because it is God that we are looking to. And then he's reminding them of what's at stake. He says, you're not just building this wall for you. You're not just defending this wall for you. He says, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He's saying, look, there's a lot at stake. Don't be discouraged. Look to God. That's your first step. But then recognize who you're fighting for. Recognize the importance of the work. Recognize what is at stake. And these are truths, to be honest, have really helped me personally. And I don't know that I truly even recognize these things until studying this chapter. But in times of fear, he says, look, don't be afraid. If there is ever a message that we need right now, it is do not fear. Do not be afraid. There is such a spirit of fear that is, that is out there. Such a spirit of fear. And again, I'm not saying be foolish and don't be prepared. But don't live in that spirit of fear. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? What about when you have so much coming at you? What about when it seems like everyone and everything around you is crumbling and and there's so much opposition and you feel absolutely overwhelmed. It's at those times when fear comes in, anxiety comes in. Like I promise you that probably everyone in here, that there is some situation right now that gives you some anxiety. And if not, you will shortly, right? Like probably tomorrow something's going to happen. I don't mean to be discouraging. It's just life. But what happens when those feelings of anxiety come at you. What happens when that fear comes? It's easy to say, well, don't be afraid. How can we not be afraid when those things are happening? Well, look at what Nehemiah said. He says, don't be afraid. Number one is this, remember. Remember God. Remember how powerful God is and that he fights for you. And remember that you're fighting for him and for those that you love. Remember what's at stake. Look, that fear, and I know it could be debilitating and just cause us to, sometimes what fear can do is this. It can cause us to freeze and not make decisions that we need to make. 
because we're just so crippled by that fear and anxiety. And we know there's things we need to do, but we're so scared to make a decision. Have you ever been there? You just, you're, you're, you're crippled. It's debilitating. You just feel like I can't do anything. Now, the other hand is we can make foolish and rash decisions. Have you ever made a panic decision? You, you ever made a decision out of just utter panic and you don't know what the right decision is, but you got to make something and, and you probably make a decision too soon. You probably make a decision not in the right state of mind. You probably make a decision without having godly people speaking into your life. That's dangerous. But there can be the other side of that where fear just causes us to freeze and we're afraid to do anything. We're afraid to step out. But yet what helps us, what helped them, what has personally helped me and is helping me, I got to be completely transparent with you and honest with you. This isn't me saying, hey, I overcome these things that I was fearful of and had anxiety over. No, it's sometimes it's one of those things like one day it's like, man, I have great faith and trust. And then other days I feel crippled with fear and anxiety about a couple different situations in my life right now, personally. And I'm trying to to be, have faith and, and follow God and trust God. But I'll be honest, some days it's tough. Some days it's really hard. You feel just like you're frozen. You feel what happens is this, discouragement starts to come in. And, and Satan will play off of that. Sometimes he'll bring it. And sometimes he just jumps on to maybe our own foolish decisions that put us in there. And he'll try to beat us up. He'll try to discourage us, try to bring us down. What do we do in those times? What has helped me? What helps you? What should we do? Well, exactly what Nehemiah reminded the people of. Number one is, remember how powerful your God is. Remember how powerful your God is. Do yourself a favor. Take some time. Just be still. Be quiet. Pray. And reflect back. On everything God has done in your life to this point. Remember the times that you felt that there's no hope. God, how are you going to get me through this? How are you going to get me out of this? What it... And remember how God ministered to your heart. Sometimes he took you out of a horrible situation. And sometimes God just gave you that grace and sustained you through it. Remember those times. Remember your God. Remember how powerful he is. And then secondly, remember who you're fighting for. Know this, if you quit, if discouragement gets you, it's going to affect the people that you love. Look, if, if Satan gets to me and causes me to quit doing what God's called me to do, it's going to have an effect on my wife and on my kids. It's going to have an effect on you guys. If Satan discourages you and stops you from, from, from doing what God's called you to do, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect me as your friend. It's going to affect the people around you. Know this, that we're fighting for not just ourselves, but for one another. And this should, here's the thing, this should unite us. This should unite us. This should, as a church, give us a boldness and a confidence of knowing that we're fighting for God, that God is with us. But we're also fighting for one another. And there's going to be times when maybe you feel vulnerable. You feel weak. And know this. Be encouraged. You have fellow believers fighting for you and with you. 
you have people there with you. I mean, this played out very practically two days ago. I get a text from someone from our church. Please pray. I'm in a really bad situation. I don't know what to do. Please pray. And I don't care who knows because I need all the prayer I can get. Well, I was sitting next to my friend Bruce from church. He'll be here at the 11 o'clock service. I'm like, Bruce, hey man, I got this text. So-and-so needs our prayers. Let's pray. Let's pray. Remember this person in prayer. And you know what? That's, that's a practical application of what this means to fight for one another. That we're not walking through trials and battles and struggles alone. We're not fighting alone. Nehemiah is saying, hey, this should unite us. Remember God. And also remember, you're fighting for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your, and your houses. Don't be discouraged by this. Verse 15, it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us after God had brought their counsel to not that we returned all of us to the wall and everyone to his work. These guys went away. Now, spoiler alert, they're coming back. These guys are going to be pests throughout the entire book of Nehemiah. But they went away. And so what happened? They continued their work. They, conti they pressed on. They pressed on through the, through the mockery, through the intimidation, through the discouragement, even through the chatter within their own ranks of people being discouraged. God sustained them. God got them through that. And then the rest of this chapter is about them being prepared, them continuing the work, but being prepared for whatever might come. It says it came to pass, or sorry, verse 16, it came to pass from that time forth that half of my sermon, servants wrought in the work. The other half had uh, spears and shields and bows. They, like, so he's like, look, half of the people were working and the other half were standing guard. They were prepared. Once again, this is wisdom. This is being shrewd. It says, they builded the wall. They that bear burdens with those that, that laid it and everyone with his own hands wrought the work. And with the other hand, they held a weapon. They were both building, but also ready for battle. They had a sword in one hand and they had their tools in the other hand. It says, for the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. So, like, man, you hear that sound of the trumpet? Wherever you hear that sound of the trumpet, go to that spot and we'll be there for one another. We'll be there to support one another, help one another. And he says this, he reminds them in verse 20, God shall fight for us. We're prepared, like we're ready, but let's not be overconfident. Let's not be confident in ourselves. God's going to fight for us. And likewise, at the same time, I said unto the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, um, that in the night they meet, may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our, put off our clothes save for everyone that put them off for washing. So these guys are ready constantly is what this is saying. They were ready. Like, hey, we're going to... We're going to sleep with our boots on. We're going to be ready. We're going to be prepared. This wasn't easy. This wasn't, wasn't comfortable. This took sacrifice. And, and many times in, in, in the work of God, you know what it takes? It takes hard work and it takes sacrifice. Now be reminded we're not fighting alone. God is fighting for us. But they were willing to sacrifice they were willing to pay a price to do what God had called them to do. And they weren't going to be discouraged. As we conclude, let me give you just a couple thoughts of some things to think about in application. 
Number one is this, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when conflict comes. It probably means that you're doing something meaningful. It, it probably means you're doing something worthwhile. I mean, would Satan really be coming at you if you weren't a threat to him? Now, Nehemiah was attacked because he was a threat to Samballat and Tobiah. He was, what he was doing for God was a threat to people. Don't be surprised. Satan wants to stop you. Satan wants to discourage you. Satan wants to tear you down. Some of you maybe right now, even at this moment, you're thinking about just spiritually speaking, throwing in the towel. I can't go on. What's the use? It's not worth it. I, I thought it was working. I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to be the husband or father I should be, and it doesn't seem like it's working. I'm trying to be the mother or wife I should be. I'm trying to be the friend I should be. I'm trying to be the person God's called me to be, and what's the use? You're in, a, you're in a discouraging moment. And the reason you're discouraged is because Satan's trying to stop you. Satan's trying to hinder you. He's trying to get you to throw in the towel and say, forget it. I thought, you know, going to church and bringing my family, I thought it was going to work better than what it is. It's an enemy trying to discourage you. It's an enemy trying to stop you. Maybe with your kids, you're finding that. that you're trying to raise them to follow the Lord and you feel just discouraged. Like the harder you try, the, the worse the results are sometimes. And you know what Satan wants you to do? Give up. He wants you to throw the towel in. But that just means you're doing something for God. It means you're building something for the glory of God. Don't be surprised when conflict comes. Secondly, do not be afraid. The battle belongs to God and God's work will not be stopped. God's work will not be stopped. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up because God's work will be accomplished and allow God to use you to accomplish it. Thirdly, be brave and have courage for those that you love. Know that you're fighting not just for yourself, but for others, for your fellow believers, for your family, for your children. Fourthly, just very practically speaking, remember you don't have to engage every single person that criticizes you. Every person that tries to pick a fight, every person that comes at you and tries to mock you, maybe for your faith or maybe for how you're raising your kids or maybe for the decisions you're making. Listen, not every single critic needs a response. Now, maybe there's an appropriate time where you do need to defend yourself or you do need to engage. But don't be distracted by it. Just keep doing what God's called you to do. Just build the wall. Just move forward for God, for the cause of Christ. And then fifthly, be willing to sacrifice for the work of God. The people had a mind to work. They were literally sleeping with their clothes on. They were working with a weapon by their side. They were willing to sacrifice. Because building this wall was something meaningful. Once again, God hasn't called us to go physically build a wall in Jerusalem. But God has a purpose and plan for every one of our lives. Collectively as a church and individually, each and every one of us, God has a purpose for us to glorify him, to, 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 to make disciples, to be the light, to, to love and raise our family for the glory of God, to, to encourage fellow believers. Don't be discouraged by what Satan is going to bring your way. Be determined and be willing to sacrifice because the work of God is worth 
whatever price that we pay. Amen. That for doing what God's called you to do, it's worth it. Not always going to be an easy road. Sometimes it's going to be a very, very difficult road, but it is a fight worth fighting for. Family is worth fighting for. Your church is worth fighting for. The cause of Christ is worth fighting for. Have courage and recognize the battle is God's and we're fighting together. We are fighting with and for one another. Let's pray, God.